How many of you are glad that Jesus came to you? Amen. Boy, as you serve in ministry, um, obviously before God ever called you and gave you an opportunity to serve in ministry here at West Coast or wherever you move on uh, to next, uh, he saved your soul. And uh, I have found that the people who are the best servants of Jesus Christ are those who have never gotten over the salvation that Christ has given them. And uh, the song today uh, perfectly sets up where I believe the Lord would have us to go. Uh, if you would, turn in your Bibles to Psalm chapter number 107. Psalm 107 is where we're going to be. Um, I have the opportunity to teach a young adults class at our church in Murfreesboro. And so this past summer, we have uh, been going through what we called summer psalms and uh, just working through the psalms one at a time. The great thing about that is that I already have my series picked out for the next five summers. Uh, we only made it through about 20. And uh, so we've been walking through that. I've jokingly told our group that I wanted to rename it Pasummer Psalms to line up with, uh, I believe, in a good alliteration, uh, and so I wanted to wanted to rename it that, and so it's become known as Pasummer Psalms around our church. My wife one day um, was in the office working. And uh, I had gotten kind of busy and, and I hadn't had a lot of study time. And she said, if you don't get in there and study, Pesummer Psalms is going to stink. And so you better get to studying. And so uh, anyways, we have been in Psalms, but along with studying it as a class, I've tried to study it personally, uh, just giving, coming back to it with a fresh look. And so I, my goal was to read through the book of Psalms this summer. And I came to Psalm 107 a couple weeks back and just was... Uh, I guess seeing it with fresh eyes, um, sometimes I believe the Lord has to say things multiple times to get them through our thick heads, uh, at least my thick head. And so Psalm 107 is one of those places where it seems like he's trying to really communicate to us. And so I want us to begin reading in verse number one. The Bible says this. It says, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so whom he hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy. That's what the men in front of us just did. The redeemed of the Lord said so. Verse number three, it says, And gathered them out of the lands from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. They wandered in the wilderness in a solitary way. They found no city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted in them. Verse number six, Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble. And he delivered them out of their distresses and he led them forth by the right way that they might go to a city of habitation. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness, for his wonderful works to the children of men. Skip down with me, if you would, to verse number 13. It goes through another series of troubles and then in verse 13 it says, Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble and he saved them out of their distresses. Verse 15. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Verse 19 goes through another series of troubles and, and verses prior. And then verse 19 says, Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble, and he saveth them out of their distresses. Verse 21, Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. In case you haven't caught on to the theme, skip down to verse number 28. Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble, and he bringeth them out of their distresses. And then verse 31. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children 
of men. You can pick out whichever one you'd like, but I'd like for you to either read verse number 8, 15, 21, or 31 out loud together with me. I'll be reading verse number 8, but let's read out loud verse number 8. Ready, begin. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. I want to spend the next couple minutes in our time together preaching to you about this idea of all oh, that you would praise him. All oh, that you would praise him. Sometimes I wonder what we miss in this life because we simply are unwilling to praise the Lord. Oh, that you would praise him. Let's pray and ask the Lord to help us. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I thank you so much for your word. Lord, I'm thankful that you are a God who is worthy of our praise. There are many around this world and in this city and in this country that they bow their knee and they bow their heads and they worship a God who is unworthy of their praise, who asks them to do unbelievable things, who does not hear them, who does not save them, and who can do nothing for them. And yet we as Christians, while we worship a God who is worthy of our praise, sometimes we shy back. Sometimes it feels unnatural. And God, I believe that from this passage, what we see is we see your heart, that you would have us to praise you for your goodness and for all that you have done in our lives. Pray that as we walk out of this auditorium, that we would be creatures of praise and that we would fulfill that which you have called us to do and praise you for who you are and what you've done. Lord, give me the words to say, empty me of myself and fill me with your spirit. In your name we pray. Amen. Praise is something that for many of us can somewhat feel unnatural. If we're honest, we kind of see something as we see maybe the song that was sung or we sit in a church service and sometimes it takes us a little while to get going. Recently, our church had a fire in the roof of our auditorium and so we have been in two services uh, in our gymnasium and uh, the nine o'clock service, it seems like they need a little bit more juice to get going. Uh, it's, it's some of you, I saw where you were changing service schedules to 8.15. I don't even know if there's any juice available at 8.15 uh, for those of you who are, will be coming to that service. But it seems like you almost have to pull it out of people. And, and every single person who stands up and preaches or uh, leads in a song, you feel the pressure of trying to pull praise out of people. And while sometimes worshiping and praising God can feel unnatural, the truth is, is that praise is actually a very natural part of how we live our lives. Whether you have realized it or not, in the past week, you have probably praised something or someone. I noticed on social media where you had had the luau. Hopefully, if you had a date to the luau, you praised the person who you went with. Thank you for inviting me. You look great today. Are you married? Are you interested in marriage? Okay. <laughs> Hopefully you praise them for taking time out of their busy college schedule to go to the luau with you. Some of you, you've been in class for all of two weeks and you have found the best note-taking app that is ever available and you just think that that note-taking app is going to be all that it has ever promised and it's going to be the reason why you graduate from West Coast Baptist College with a 5.0 GPA instead of a 4.0. And so you've been telling your friends, you've been sending out referral codes. As you get older, what you'll find is your praise turns a little bit different, okay? 
Some people, now we praise the diets. Well, this is what's made me feel so great. This is what made me fit back into my pants. This is what changed my life forever because I drank this juice, all right? We praise different things in our lives. You praise a coworker. You praise a roommate. You praise that freshman roommate who woke up on time and actually vacuumed the floor today so that you didn't get demerits for it. You praise people naturally. It is built into who we are because by nature, we are creatures of praise. But even creatures of praise only praise that which they have been personally impacted by. In every one of those joking scenarios that I just gave you, you are willing to offer praise because it has personally impacted your life in some way. Someone took time out of their schedule to go to the luau with you. Some note-taking app or, or some studying tool has changed the way that you study and is going to help you stay organized through college. Some roommate did for you what maybe you could not do for yourself. Some pill, some diet, some health guru made you feel better, made you lose weight. So you are willing to praise it because you have been personally impacted. And could it be that the reason why praise is so natural for many of us as Christians is because we have yet to be personally impacted by the God who we say that we praise? We are so easily fallen into routines where we show up to church and we show up to ministry and we show up to our jobs and we show up to college classes and college chapel and, and we say that we praise God, but the truth is that we aren't really praising him because we haven't really been personally impacted. We're praising almost by osmosis. We're almost praising because, well, if Dr. Getch is praising the Lord, then I must be praising the Lord. If Brother Johnson, who's leading the song, is leading us in praise, then I must be praising as well. But the truth is, in Psalm 107, what we get is we get a sense of urgency. We get a picture of God's heart for praise through the life of David and through the pen of David when he says, all that men would praise him for his goodness and for his marvelous works toward men. Oh, that you would praise him. Oh, that you would see how good he's been. Oh, that you would step back and see that because you serve a great God, you can do something for him. He has a job for you. He loves you and he wants you to serve him. But that only occurs as you praise. Some people talk about praise and we step back and we'll preach messages about surrender. We'll preach messages about giving. We'll preach messages about serving and finding your place in ministry and all of those are necessary messages. But the truth is, is I've very rarely, if ever, met a Christian whose praise is right, who's not surrendered to what God has for their life. I very rarely, if ever, met a Christian who is praising God in the good times and the bad times, who's not willing to give more. I very rarely, if ever, met a Christian who is praising the Lord for all that he has done in their life, who's not willing to serve, who's not willing to surrender, who's not willing to see other people saved. And so as we think of this idea of praise, it may come off as just something, well, that's just something we do when we sing. No, if your praise is right, your surrender is right. If your praise is right, if you've seen God for who he is, if you've been personally impacted by him, your service and your ministry is very easy because you're serving a good God. And what I want us to see out of this passage is what I'm referring to as the cycle of praise. How does a good God withdraw praise out of his people who he created to praise him? 
There's three steps in this process. The first one that I want you to see is that problems produce prayer. Problems produce prayer. He says in verse number three, and gathered them out of the lands from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. They wandered in the wilderness in a solitary place. They found no city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted in them. You may feel that way in the 109 degree heat today, all right? He presents this problem that his people are going through. Some of you who have maybe summaries in your Bible, my Bible summarizes it this way. It says, Israel's rebellions, God's mercies. There's a problem that's going on with God's people. They're wondering, they're hungry, they're thirsty, they have no city to dwell in. And in the midst of all of this problem, what do you find God's people doing? Crying out to God. Four times in this passage, a problem is presented and four times we see the response. It says, then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble in verse number six, verse number 13. Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble, verse number 19. Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble, verse number 28. Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble. And for many of us, what we see as pain, God sees as a purpose. God sees it as something that is turning you into the image of his son. We assume that God cares about our happiness when the truth is, is that he only cares about our holiness. We avoid pain like anything else, don't we? If you go and you touch a hot skillet, your body's natural reaction is to pull your hand back. Why? Because we don't enjoy pain. If you get under some sort of weight, some sort of burden, your immediate reaction is, how can this be removed from me? You get into financial trouble this semester, you're gonna go and look for ways to make additional money. You get into health trouble, maybe older or later on in your life, you're gonna go and seek out a doctor. Different problems cause different reactions. And our reaction as human beings is that we want to remove the pain or the problem. When God sees that pain or a problem as an opportunity for you to fall on your face before him, I wish I could stand before you and say that as someone who is entering into Bible college that all of your problems are going to be washed away now that you've surrendered your life. In fact, I would probably say that as, Tim, as Paul wrote to Timothy, yea, all that live godly shall suffer persecution. It may very well be not to be the bearer of bad news that your worst days are actually ahead of you. I can recall as a, as a college student sitting here and listening to Dr. Getch or other members of the staff share prayer requests and it almost seemed as if that the servants of the Lord were constantly under the attack of Satan. What do you do when problems come into your life? Do you see them as something that you want God to remove or do you see them as something that you want God to work through? Because problems produce prayer. If you're here today and you say, I have no clue how I'm going to get through this semester financially, that's a prayer problem, not a financial problem. If you're sitting here today and you say, I'm a senior, I don't know where I'm going after this, I don't know who I'm going to marry, I don't know how I'm going to make it through, those aren't relational problems, those are prayer problems. Those are not things that, that you need to worry about. Those are things that in the midst of them, you need to say, God, I don't know. I'm concerned. I'm a little bit worried. But here's what I do know is that I'm going to cry out to you. When you find your back against the wall, when there's nowhere left to turn to other than God, that is a great place to be in life. We see it as a difficult place, but God sees it as the perfect place. 
I have written in my Bible in regards to the lady who found herself at the hem of, of Jesus' garment in the Gospels. I have written in my Bible, when you find yourself at the end of your rope, may you find yourself at the hem of his garment. May we as Christians become very comfortable with the uncomfortable because it is in that moment that God pushes us and produces prayer. And so problems produce prayer, first of all, but then secondly, is that prayer produces providence. Prayer produces providence. And all four times that we see these people crying out to God and asking him for help, we see that God responds, and in four times it says, and they cried unto the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them out of their distresses. As Americans, we have so built our lives to have a buffer zone to where we don't need God. We have saving fund, savings funds so that we don't have to rely upon him financially. And I would encourage you to have one of those. We have different health things that we try so that we don't have to depend upon him for our health. We have relationship mentors and, and counselors that we can run to. But none of them can do for you what a holy God can do for you. No book or podcast can do for you what your heavenly Father can do for you. No mentor or counselor can do for you what the counselor of this world can do for you. And we have become so dependent on needing other things and other people around us that we have lost our dependence upon God. And when problems come, it pushes us to prayer. But the great news about prayer is that when we pray, God provides. When we ask, he answers. When we need him, he steps in and his presence is there with us. We can see him for who he is. We can see him do the miraculous. And we have got to stop relying upon others to do for us what only God can do. Only God can provide the finances that you need. Only God can provide the spouse that you need. Only God can provide the job that you need. Only God, only God, only God. And may we praise him when he pushes us to the point to where we pray and we see him provide. But then the last thing that I want you to see in this cycle is this, is that problems produce prayer and prayer produces providence. But thirdly, I want you to see that providence produces praise. Providence produces praise. When we talk about praise, we are often guilty of assuming that that only applies in November. Well, that's Thanksgiving. That's Thanksgiving praise service. We, we read a verse like Psalm 107 verse 1 that says, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. And we can almost get the warm fuzzies of a little cup of hot apple cider in a fireplace and the leaves changing, although you guys don't have leaves out here, all right? But we assume that that's only applicable seasonally. Well, that just means that I have to give thanks and every November, it always is interesting to me, and it's in churches like this, churches like ours, churches all around the world, to where maybe if you have some sort of testimony time where, oh, someone shares something that they're thankful for. Have you ever noticed that no one ever shares anything difficult? If you were to pass the microphone and said, before we leave this auditorium, we need everybody to share a praise. I could almost guarantee that if we asked that, first of all, some of you would be like, I'm just going to steal whatever the first guy says. 
But we would probably not have too many people take the microphone and praise the Lord for maybe a death in their family. We probably wouldn't have too many people praise the Lord for the loss of a job, for some sort of trial or some sort of difficulty. And yet my Bible says this, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God. You see, according to this verse, we're not just praising God for the good. We're praising Him for the burdens. We're praising Him for trusting us with trials. We're praising Him for giving us something that was maybe too hard for us to handle so that we could bring it to Him who can handle it. We're praising Him for who He is and for what He's done. And here's what I want us to close with. If praise seems unnatural to you, could it be that it is because you have not been personally impacted? I want you to go back up and look at verse number two. He says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. We quote that verse a lot. Any good Baptist has that one filed back in the back of his brain. When you people aren't singing the way that you want them to, you stand up and you almost use this verse to guilt trip them. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Y'all aren't saying so, so let's say so, all right? Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. But here's what I would argue with you. Is that to a redeemed person and someone who understands their redemption, praise is very natural. Praise is not secondary, praise is primary. Praise is something that naturally comes out. We sing about, he came to me, he helped my blinded eyes to see as the quartet just sung. That gets me fired up. I was saved at the age of four years old. I didn't have some wicked testimony other than maybe stealing a few toys in the nursery. I don't have something to maybe look back on in my past, but here's the thing that I will tell you. The older that I get, the more that I am so excited about my redemption. I don't look back and, and think to myself, well, I missed out on hell as a four-year-old. Here's what I look back look at now is that I have a good God. That word redeem means bought back. Bought back. How many of you ever flipped over the back of a Coke can or the back of a water bottle and on there it says redeem or sometimes it says RE and it says five cents or 10 cents and, or something like that to where someone will buy that back from you. How many of you ever seen that before when you're counting the calories on the back? It says redeem, meaning this. Someone in this world wants that water bottle back to be repurposed for another use. When the Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so, it's talking about those who had been bought back. 
And you and I, as you sit here in this college chapel and as you sit in doctrine classes and as you sit in services and as you serve in ministry, you are a child that has been bought back from the slave market of sin. You have been saved. Jesus saw you. God saw you in the slave market of sin, in the chains of sin, and he sent his son to pay the price on Calvary so that you could be bought back. And you will learn the deep things of the word of God. You will hear great preaching. But at the end of the day, if you can't get excited about Jesus Christ redeeming you from the clutches of Satan, get excited about what God has done for you. There's no ministry that you can serve in that's going to keep you here. There's no financial calling. There's no no job that can keep you here. Because at the end of the day, if you're redeemed, you can stand here. You can stand amongst your classmates and you can say, I'm going to say so. I'm going to praise him. Times are hard. I got broken up with. I got my heart broken. I lost a job. I may not be able to come back the next semester, but here's what I do know. I'm redeemed. I've been bought back and I can praise God for what he's done and for who he is. And I believe today that West Coast Baptist College would have a different semester, would have a different feel, would be a different place if we saw what those verses said, oh, that men would praise me. Oh, that you would praise him for his goodness and for his marvelous works. Here's what you need to know about the God that you're getting ready to serve. He's a good God. And even in difficulty, he is doing something marvelous amongst men. And this semester, here's my challenge to you. Every day that your feet hit the floor, say, oh God, I just want to praise you. Oh God, I just want to praise you.